0: The global energy ecosystem is currently undergoing a massive transformation, and in the decades ahead, it will continue to become more decentralized, digitalized, and decarbonized. To reach the commitments made under the 2015 Paris Agreement limiting the global temperature rise to well below 2 degrees centigrade, this transition must accelerate. In recent years, the energy sector has become increasingly digital, and it is clear that further digitalization will be a key feature of the energy transition and an essential driver of the sector's progress towards ambitious climate goals. With us today on Podchats for Future CIO is Leonard Lee, President for Beyond Limits Asia-Pacific. Leonard, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Great. Thanks for having me. What are some of the challenges that the oil and gas or energy sector face today regarding digitalization? So first up, the oil and gas
1: industry is, you know, it's not known to attract young tech talent, if you will. Right. So it's not like you're one of the big tech in the Silicon Valley that by default, you get the best talent coming into the industry. Right. So. But yet, the world runs on oil and gas right now, and transitioning into more renewable sources. So, as an industry, attracting talent is is one key challenge. And then also, on the other side of that, is how do you retain? The domain knowledge of the folks that are retiring and that are never going to come back uh, to that job in in that company, right? So, uh, and then of course the the whole carbon reduction, net zero, and the the whole environmental uh, ESG type agenda uh, that is also putting pressure uh, in uh, the need to transform, not how they do their business, but even what they do in their business, right? In terms of what they do, I think, uh, you know, all the oil and gas company ha- has to think ahead. So, you know, in the next decade or decade and a half, when governments and countries and companies have to basically hit the net zero goals, the use of, you know, carbon fossil fuel will drastically reduce and uh, the increase in renewable energy. So, for these companies, they basically have to shift their entire portfolio into renewable sources. So, it's easier said than done from the outside, right? So, if you've been an oil company for 150 years, how do you switch to green hydrogen in the matter of a couple of years? Or how do you uh, look at battery and charging infrastructure uh, when all you have is gas stations uh, around uh, the world? Right? So that is, is a huge business model transformation in itself. And then second is the, the use of digital technology. Uh, if you look across industries, the tech manufacturing industry, you know, they're quick adopters or early adopters of AI, smart manufacturing, and, and that's been happening uh, probably for the past uh, decade or two decades. But in kind of the oil and gas industry, it's, it's the heavy duty, you know, greasy kind of work uh, that is, is not as, you know, early adopting in terms of digital technology. Uh, so for us to look at, you know, or even for the industry, bringing AI into this industry is not an easy task, right? So it goes from uh, the change management, the mindset of these uh, executives that are probably towards the later part of their career, and you have to educate them on what AI is and what it can do to improve their operations, reduce operating costs, uh, and increase profitability. Uh, that is a huge education and change management uh, exercise. right? Uh, once you get past that education point then it's really about testing and deploying some of this technology in their operations uh, and typically there, there's going to be a strong resistance uh, both from you know the frontline middle management managers they just don't have the digital infrastructure like data in in one common repository somewhere in a server uh, to be used by some of these uh, artificial uh, intelligence solutions, uh, or even having sensors that are collecting the right data, so it can be used in in some kind of software uh, optimization. Uh, so there are challenges in multiple fronts. It is a you know multiple fold challenge for this industry. But I think there are some uh, companies that are kind of leading the way uh, and uh, adopting uh, some of these technologies faster than their peers, right? And I like to highlight, you know, BP, British Petroleum, as, as one of those among the super majors. So all of the Shell, BP, Chevron, Exxon Mobiles, BP is the one that is, I would say, accelerating towards renewable and green energy the quickest and putting money where their mouth is in terms of investments in green energy and uh, drastically reducing investments in the old kind
0: of carbon uh, world of energy. On the one hand, my understanding is so far, based on what you've said, I'm skirting away from this one temporarily, the use of technologies like artificial intelligence based on what you've said so far it's predominantly around improving efficiencies operations so it's not changing the actual business model in terms of the products that they produce i'm still reliant on fossil fuel Mm -hmm. Uh, i just need to be more efficient in how i drive it i need to be better at drilling looking for sources of fuel and refining it and distributing it. because right now for fossil fuel one of the biggest costs happens to be distribution that's it's a right. high yeah. element of a uh, it's a very cost inefficient process of distributing fossil fuels that's right uh, globally so from that segment that's at least where I can see use case or actual applications of AI right now. that's right as far yeah. as renewable energy is concerned one of the problem with renewable energy is if I look at it whether it's wind hydro or water they are right. all very inefficient in terms of how they convert one element whether it's light, heat, or wind, or water, into an energy source that industries can actually use or people can actually use. It's very different. Where does your organization sit or where do you think Mm. AI sits in these two models yeah. of business
1: now that's a great way of, of separating the the two uh, discussions although they are linked at, at some point so on the first part helping the current fossil fuel oil and gas industry just be more efficient in you know the simplest way to put it is for every barrel of oil you can produce a certain amount of products whether it's jet fuel or gas for your car or kerosene so how do you maximize the production uh, from a barrel of oil to make sure that you can produce the maximum amount of products that can be sold and shipped and used. So AI has a huge part to play. One of the solutions that uh, we, we do with our clients is what we call a refinery operations advisor. So what it does is it takes your input into a refinery, which is hundreds of thousands of barrels of oil, and then you produce according to a production plan, which they call a linear plan. And the linear plan is based on um, maximum product output to maximize, I guess, uh, profitability for the company, but as well as the lowest carbon uh, emission during the refining process. So our software helps them optimize from the input of the crude all the way to the distillate towers and all the cracking and and all the way to the end output of the product. So you're producing the maximum amount of product per barrel of oil. And so that's what AI uh, does in in that particular uh, use case. and so the other one, uh, and this is one of the big investment, even from our uh, perspective as an industrial AI player is we are now working with hydrogen players around using AI to help them. Uh, so the area is green hydrogen, right? So there are many colors of hydrogen, but green is the best and uh, green means you're using renewable energy sources to power the electrolysis of water so you can split out the hydrogen and and oxygen uh, and then there's brown and purple and, and and so on so for that particular process the process flow is you have solar and wind powering and and storing a, in a power into a battery uh, to make sure when there's no wind no sun that the factory still runs the exo- the electrolysis is still running 24/ 7. Uh, and then you produce the hydrogen and you can either store it as fuel cells or store it as ammonia uh, and then you, you transport it around the world, uh, whoever the buyer is. So the challenge in that new process, and this is brand new, right? So there are probably a 100 hydrogen factories being built around the world right now as we speak, uh, but they're all brand new, right? Everyone's kind of all the energy companies investing in, into uh, this area but there's no so-called off-the-shelf solution uh, like AI solution you can buy uh, that you can implement right right now today the simplest way to put it is you can buy software to run a wind farm you can have software to run a solar farm but then for that software to talk to my battery storage and then talk to the electrolysis process and then talk to the storage and distribution and then talk to the logistics there is no software that does that so AI comes in to sit on top of those systems system, and it optimizes across the different systems to produce the end outcome that that you want. So that's where the power of AI really comes in, is uh, each of the hardware maker will give you
0: software for their hardware, but
1: there is no software that
0: optimizes across the system. What differentiates you from other potential competitors within your space? So when you optimize
1: across systems, it's not just reading data from each system. So for example, one of the sub-use cases, how large should my battery be? Like sizing that battery storage. You need to look at weather data. Right. And see when is the wind blowing? When does the sun shine? And do I size it to twice the capacity or 150% or 300%? And do I need to size it and, and maybe have expandable batteries def- depending on the seasons of the year? Right. So there's a lot of input when you try to optimize across the system of systems. And it's not just reading data and then turning a set point. Yeah. That doesn't require AI, right? That's, that's basically yeah. rules, right? But to your, your second point, yeah, what's a differentiator, right? So yeah, AI is a big umbrella. You know, there's AI on your phone, like TikTok and facial recognition, all the way to speech, uh, to text, or natural language processing type AI. For us, um, our heritage in the technology comes from the NASA Mars Rover program, right? So our CTO was the head of AI for the Mars Rover, the the first version, and even the current version still is running some of his AI code uh, on the the Perseverance right now. And the reason we use that uh, as an example is because when you think about the Rover, that first went up 25 years ago, what kind of training data do you think uh, was fed into the rover? Not much. There's no Google Maps up there. No one's been up there. There's very limited imagery from the Hubble telescope that could be fed into the, the rover, you know, computer. So it really has to take in data of its surrounding and then make a decision in real time what to do. If I see a solar storm, do I hide under a rock and and wait for the storm to pass? But yet I have to do certain experiments before my batteries go flat. Do I charge my battery or do I do the experiment? The whole AI algorithm, which the industry calls cognitive AI, uh, was first built for the Mars rover program. Uh, So basically it, it mimics human decision making. So it takes in data, like the Mars rover would take in data of Heat and temperature and slope and uh, all of those data and combines it with human reasoning. And in the case of, you know, oil and gas industry is basically the uh, human operator that's been in the refinery for the last 20 years. And he or she has so much domain knowledge and expert knowledge in their brains that is not usually documented anywhere. Right. So apart from the pressure and the temperature readings and the flow rate and all of those data that we get from sensors, we co- combine the human and expert knowledge into the algorithm together, uh, and, and that's called the cognitive AI or hybrid AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's very difficult to do.
0: From my understanding, there are three types of AI at this point. There's narrow AI, general AI, and then there's the superintelligence, quote-unquote AI. Where does cognitive AI fit into this space?
1: I think the the easier way to categorize it is you have just machine learning, Mm -hmm. which is you just take a bunch of data and then you try to predict what the next occurrence will be or look at insights, right? So that's the most basic form of, so all the neural networks, machine learning, CNN, uh, all all of the buzzwords that you hear is usually around machine learning, right, AI, big data. And then you have the hybrid AI and cognitive AI is what I just described. And then at the highest level is called AGI, right, Uh, artificial general intelligence. And that's supposed to be exactly like a human being, being able to process, you know, contextual awareness with data and make human-like decision making. So that's kind of the three levels of uh, uh, AI.
0: how do you see cognitive AI as providing a differentiator for the energy sector, uh, regardless of whether it is the traditional energy companies or those that are doing green energy? And if you could narrow it down to this part of the world, to our region, Asia? In fact, all of our
1: solutions uh, are built on uh, the cognitive AI uh, algorithm. So in the case of the refinery, we go back to that example. Basically, this product was first deployed with BP, and then now we're bringing it to the the oil companies that you know in the region, whether it's uh, Southeast Asia or China or or Indonesia, Thailand. Uh, So those are uh, our our customers that we are working with. Uh, So for the refinery operations advisor, in a refinery, you're talking about a, a massive you know, factory, if you will, size of 10 football field, average refinery uh, does about, you know, 300,000 barrels a day kind of capacity. So if you look at what it takes to manage such a large scale operation, and you have millions of sensors in a refinery. Uh, So usually it's a team of engineers and operators, uh, whether you're on-site or off-site, trying to manage the refinery on a minute by minute basis. So the Cognitive AI basically codifies the data decades of knowledge in the operations supervisor or the operations engineer and and some of the expert knowledge they have and we combine that with all the data from the census uh, to produce the best recommendation in terms of decision making to the operator that physically turns a dial or flips a switch. We purposely don't automate the whole decision making because these are really mission critical processes and we need the human to make the final judgment whether they take decision A or decision B. And then we have a learning system that when the operator chose decision B, they would say why they chose decision B so that our algorithm learns from that chosen decision and then the next time the same scenario appears, we will then just recommend decision B. that's how we do the reinforced learning feedback into uh, the algorithm.
0: How can AI improve operational efficiencies across? the energy sector, especially in our region, where you have in each of the countries a different level of maturity uh, from a technology point of view, process the way mm-hmm. things are performed, regulation yeah. is also different. Can AI or machine learning provide sufficient advisory services, as you call them, to allow for, say, a Chevron or, or Shell do its job as, a, as an energy producer uh, across a large spans of market even though in each of the smaller markets things are done differently. So I think a couple of things. One
1: is, uh, if the refinery or the asset is owned by one of the super majors, they typically would deploy the same technology that they would use either in the US or in, you know, in Europe, uh, to these assets, right? The bigger challenge is some of the older assets that, you know, they, when they were built, you know, 50, 60 years ago, there was no such thing as digital technology. There was no IOT. So then it's a decision, uh, that has to be made in conjunction with the government to see whether is it worth trying to digitize this old asset, uh, or you replace it uh, with a new asset, uh, and and so yes, it does become a bit of a uh, sometimes political uh, and a business decision to, to to be made. But in general, in terms of some of these uh, digital technologies, IoT, and and uh, you don't need a brand new refinery or a brand new petrochem facility uh, to be able to uh, install and benefit from some of these uh, optimization technology, right? So you can actually retrofit uh, and still be able to uh, rip some of the benefits as if you were to build it AI-ready, you know, refinery, right? So I think we've done uh, deployments in in both type of assets. One, the brand new builds, and in those case, we work with what they call the EPCs, the, the engineering, the people who construct uh, the refinery or, or the Petrochem facility. Uh, and, and it's like a brand new apartment building, and it's uh, Uh, Wi-Fi enabled already or CAT5 enabled uh, back in the day, right? So we do that for new builds and then we retrofit
0: sensors and software to the uh, current uh, assets that they have. Mm Uh, Let's talk about the business side of this. Let me uh, use an example. In some markets, Philippines would be a great example. Energy distribution going down to the last mile, which is why the cost at the last mile is very different Mm. and calculated differently. Her cost is, so in this case, for a business leader, in the energy sector or business leaders in the energy sector, how do they go about assessing whether AI makes businesses for them regardless of whether it's brand spanking new? Maybe that's one thing Mm -hmm. to look at. Mm -hmm. Greenfield production, right? Or as you say, retrofit an existing mm. infrastructure because it's these things are expensive, expensive. Yeah. yeah if you're selling me I'm a business operator of an energy distribution company my locality what should i be thinking about trying to decide do i go I'll get investors and buy new equipment altogether there's still 50% in terms of the life the equipment that i have. Uh, then mm. i do a retrofitting as you say upgrading part of the infrastructure Yeah, I think that there's no simple
1: uh, solution for something like that. I think, first of all, the the pricing difference between, you know, one province and another, I think that's more the the commercial contract that would have been signed years ago uh, that allow them to supply electricity for, you know, 10, 20 years or whatever it is, right? Uh, And interestingly, uh, we were just talking that uh, we are working with a uh, Philippine uh, power producer and power distributor. Uh, They run some of the grid in the country, right? Um, So, and they also highlighted this, this Particular problem. Uh, So, I think, I mean, the way I look at it is if you are the consumer side or you are the municipality that is buying uh, the electricity, that's one aspect. Or if you are running that utility, that's a kind of another uh, aspect. And then if you are supplying into the grid, that's another uh, perspective. So, in terms of the grid itself, there are AIs used to basically balance the supply and demand. Uh, And as an example, uh, we there's a company working with in the US where they actually gamify the whole uh, greed consumption behavior so for example they'll say right now uh, you know energy uh, cost per unit is 20% lower so you can either charge your EV now or you consume stuff uh, energy uh, higher than you would normally do at this time of the day and we'll give you rebates right so it basically drives consumption behavior that was pretty fixed Uh, in the morning everybody wakes up you make coffee you take a shower daytime not much use and then nighttime it goes up again that's a typical consumption pattern whereas if you use ai to basically match okay when you have excess power you charge less, so they consume more. And then uh, when you have high consumption, you charge more to maybe reduce usage at those times. right? So AI can play a part in that kind of value chain. Uh, and then there's the use of AI to basically make sure that you are running the grid in as high availability as possible. No unplanned downtime, or as minimum unplanned downtime as possible. Predictive maintenance on the grid so that it doesn't have to crash before problem. So So there's all sorts of sensor technology and uh, monitoring technology uh, that you can use. You can fly drones over high-voltage power lines, you know, look for uh, potential uh, defects. And uh, so, again, you know, computer vision, AI, or just looking at the characteristics of the, the grid. Uh, you, you know, there's noise analysis or visual analysis. So that's all uh, use cases of AI uh, to help maintain the grid uh, at a
0: certain uh, you know, availability. Given the many priorities of the energy sector, right? We've got carbon targets, uh, alternative energy research work, R and D development, cybersecurity. We've got a lot, quite a bit of that one recently, right? Per- mm, particularly mm, in the yeah. U.S., right? And even transformation initiatives. Those are whether they're doing a transformation as a business model or transformation in terms of just how they do things differently. And against the backdrop of rising energy costs, how does the energy sector leaders? Uh, how do they prioritize their investment strategies? Yeah, so now I think
1: the clearest priority setting is basically ESG and uh, renewables. Because of the policies set at global level, whether it's the Paris Climate Accord or the COPPA, that every country has its targets now. Every region has its targets. And that translates to uh, corporations and businesses that also have their own targets. And companies coming out, like even BP has pledged uh, carbon neutrality by, I think it was 2050. Microsoft, the most aggressive one to date, uh, pledge to carbon neutrality by like, I think, 2030. Uh, So because of these targets that they have set, then there's a work back To get to that point of carbon neutrality, right? So, which means a lot of investments are moving into kind of uh, carbon reduction and net zero. It's reducing carbon for the current kind of fossil fuel industry to totally switching the mode of energy to uh, renewable sources uh, and the sources that we we just talked about, right? So, I think that's how we see the investments going. That's already happening. Right now, if you go to a hedge fund, a VC, a, a PE firm, Basically, if you're in the energy sector and you don't have a green angle or a green strategy, they won't even give you uh, a loan. These net zero targets have basically infiltrated into how the economics and how the financial world is already
0: operating uh, as we speak. Leonard, thank you for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for having me. That was Leonard Lee, President for Beyond Limits Asia-Pacific on the topic of meeting the energy commitments of 2022 and beyond with AI. You are listening in to Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.